So it's women that are hating other women to look better for men who hate women. That doesn't make it... Do, you, do these people not realize that doesn't make any sense? Radio It's another Thursday night, or not, because we're not recording it on a Thursday night, but you're listening to it on a Thursday night, unless you're not listening to it on a Thursday night, but then you are, so never mind. This is Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the one, the only, the, there's probably more Cecil Trachtenbergs out there. I'm really lost. You're supposed to be. That's why I did that, specifically to throw you off kilter. And Peter will not be joining us this week because Canada doesn't seem to like the Internet this week, so he couldn't connect via Skype or shit, really. So Peter will be back next week. If you guys want to get, you know, a special sex toy or something, Adam and Eve has got you set up. They've changed it for a limited time. If you go to adamandeve.com and use the promo code DROME, you will get 50% off, off of almost any item three free DVDs, free U.S. shipping, and an exclusive clit bumper. Yes, I just said clit bumper, and Cecil, I'm really not sure if I have to beep that or not. But you will get an exclusive clit bumper, 50% off, three free DVDs, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. What exactly is a clit bumper? I can't explain it on the air. I'll have to beep the whole thing. Is that like where you you rest your chin when... (laughs) You've looked into it. <laughs> just, I'm just spitballing here. Ah, spitballing. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight, Cecil, about some of the things that are going on in Hollywood. And I'm talking trends and some some disturbing trends, some interesting ones, and just a general look at the current state of film. One of the big controversies right now that we have to talk about is race in film. With what happened at the Oscars, with them calling it, you know, a literal whitewashing of the Oscars, and I have my own feelings about that, two different controversies within the same week about Asian actors. The first one being Ghost in the Shell casting Scarlett Johansson as an iconic Asian character, and that'd be one thing if they were just changing her race. But they also, quote, looked into whether CGI could make her seem more Asian. That's kind of offensive when you could have just hired, you know, an Asian actress. And then the other one is the Doctor Strange trailer coming out. One of the most British actresses ever, Tilda Swinton, is playing the Ancient One, a, in the comics, completely Tibetan character. Now, the writer, who apparently had no fucks left to give and does not want to work in Hollywood again, has come out and straight out said Disney ordered him to change the character from Tibetan to white, Literally so they would not anger China, who China has issues with Tibet, because China is the second largest film market of all time. He put it, they didn't see white, they didn't see yellow, they only saw green. What is it with race and big screen adaptations at this point, Cecil? I mean, we've got the Oscar thing and the two Asian things hitting at the same time. This this is a problem. 
Well, it's it's only a problem because of the world that we currently live in. We have so many people that are upset about everything. A while ago, uh, there were people that were freaking out over the fact that Iron Fist was being played by a white guy when Iron Fist in the comics is a white guy. I was I was about to say, yeah, he I haven't read the comics in years, so maybe he's changed, but when I read Iron Fist in the 70s and 80s, he was a white dude that learned kung fu. Yeah, and, and actually, that is a very essential part of what the character is all about, about how the fact that he is a white guy who uh, learned, you know, these uh, ancient arts and all this, and that's very essential to the character. And initially, you had all these people that were upset at first because they're like, oh, there's they're whitewashing a character, and then they found out that they were wrong because uh, a lot of these people have no idea what they're talking about. Then they went, well, they should have made the character Asian. But then you can't have it both ways. Then when uh, there is a character that comes out and uh, it's flip-flop, they either take a uh, character that is black character and they make it a white character or they take uh, an Asian character and they make it a white character. It's like, well, every time that there is something like uh, they had the Black Honeymooners that came out a while ago and some people pissed and moaned a little bit about that. But it was like it kind of came and went and it wasn't this national fervor. Uh, it wasn't all these people upset about the fact that they were taking it like that. The um, Scarlett Johansson thing, what a lot of people don't realize is that Scarlett Johansson is the one who made that movie happen. She had been she had been very interested in the character and had been working towards making Ghost in the Shell film. And in order for them to get the to get the capital and whatnot, she had to be involved because she just did Lucy a couple years ago. And like it or not, that movie I I thought it was ter I I thought it was a really good idea that was executed terribly. Oh, that was a god awful film. And it really, it bummed me because it was Luke Besson and, and I just, I really like his work, but I thought that that movie was really a disaster. In all honesty, Johansson was great in the movie. It was yeah, just a bad movie. It was just a bad movie. But regardless of the fact that it was a bad movie, it made a shit ton of money. Uh, I think it made like half a billion dollars. So, so Scarlett Johansson has been in a lot of high profile movies. She's in the Avengers movie. She was in Lucy, a movie that very much rested on her shoulders and it was a huge money maker. So she is a very marketable, marketable commodity and she wanted to get the movie made and they were basically like, okay, well, we will do this movie. But you are involved in some capacity, so we can put your name and face behind it. And without her, the movie wouldn't have been made at all. And the, the honest truth is, aside from Jackie Chan, there really aren't a lot of big Asian names in American cinema right now that would be able to open a $100 million movie. Sony, I, I think it was Sony, I can't remember who had the rights, whatever the company was, if you're going to change the character to a white character, that's one thing. But then to use CGI to make the character, the white actress, more Asian, that's literal yellow face. Well, the, the thing with that is... That's been like denied and that was really like a lot of that's one where we may never know for sure. But I've seen in a lot more places that that was complete bullshit, that there was something that was totally made up and it was something that was a flat out lie to make this look worse than it already is so i mean unless unless there's somebody that comes out with some footage of them trying to manipulate her face to make it look more asian or something i think that that's just bullshit made up by people who wanted this to be a bigger issue than it was but then you also have the thing that's been confirmed 
by the writer of Doctor Strange, Marvel specifically forbade him from making this Tibetan character Tibetan because they specifically did not want to piss off China because they want that audience. Okay, but but shouldn't the people uh shouldn't the people that are all upset about this be mad at Disney or be mad at China over this? Because the thing is, they're taking uh the Doctor Strange movie, which is going to be a very expensive movie, and they want to make as much money as possible. Can't blame them. All right, well they have a character in there that's Tibetan, and they don't want to piss off that market, so they're changing the race. And you know, I mean, uh, the, my my feeling behind it is. The right person for the role is the right person for the role. I didn't give a shit that Michael Clark Duncan played uh, Kingpin and uh, a, tr- a a guy a character that had been you know primarily a white guy for you know decades. I thought he was the right guy for the role, and he did a terrific job. And there's been a lot of movies where, like, how come nobody ever has a problem when they take a uh, primarily white character and they make him into a black guy, or they make him into another race, or they make a, a, a guy into a woman? It's only the other way around. Whenever there is a character that is something, and they decide to make it, you know, a white guy... You have all these people who all of a sudden, uh, the past two years, come out of the woodwork and they're all offended and upset about something that they had no idea about a few years ago. I've been making this joke for years. It's okay to take iconic white characters and make them black. That's diversity. But if all of a sudden you had, and I think this would be amazing, Jason Statham as the new John Schaff, that would be somehow racist. I think he'd be a pretty good. It would, eh, that's a tough one because, god damn it, I love shit. Like even even the Samuel L. Jackson Shaft. It, I mean, the original Shaft is amazing, but I did really enjoy the Samuel Jackson Shaft. A lot of people call a remake. No, it's not. It's a sequel. It's a sequel. It's, a sequel. it's not a good sequel, but it's a sequel. Oh, shut your mouth! It's a good sequel. I liked the TV series from the 70s better than I liked that movie, sorry. Oh, you had, you had, Samuel Jackson was in really great shape at the time, and he just, he very, he did a great job of just channeling a lot of that, you know, pre-Snakes on a Plane anger, where he would just lose his mind. I just, when he, he just, just walks out in the street and just starts pistol whipping a drug dealer, it's, it was so great. I love that movie. The original is awesome with the uh with with the the soundtrack and everything and I've seen the the sequels and I don't know. See, I think that um Jason Statham would probably do a good job at it, but uh I I don't know. I I think at this at this point I'm getting I like Jason Statham a lot, but I'm kind of getting tired of him getting roped into all these remakes. He did Death Race, uh, he's he did uh, The Mechanic, and now he's doing another mechanic. Come on, dude. This is all part of the larger racial controversies that, that Hollywood seems to have, like the whole what, what's called the whitewashing of the Oscars. Now, I haven't seen Creed, because everyone pointed out Creed is a film that should have been nominated. I haven't seen it. I fall on both sides of the argument. You shouldn't have to nominate black films and black actors and actresses if there was nothing that, you know, deserved nomination. But at the same time, when something like Amistad came out in the 90s, you know, a very black-centric movie about the horrors of slavery, all the Oscar nominations went to its white Jewish director, Matthew McConaughey, and Anthony Hopkins. Not Jaiman Hunsu, who was fantastic in it, or any of the other black cast. That, you kind of go, okay, that just looks wrong, you know? All right, well, I mean, that also uh, was a while ago. And, I mean, things have changed. But, the, I mean, the, they can't... The thing that kills me, didn't the help 
just like sweep the Oscars not that long ago. And, uh, and, and, or, or uh, what was the other, was it the, uh, the help and the butler? The, but yeah, the, the, but I mean, there, there were a lot of black movies. Didn't 12 Years a Slave just like sweep the Oscars last year? And now this year they're talking about how like there's their Oscars so white and all this stuff. There, uh, the, the movies that they were pointing out that should have been nominated, a lot of people were disagreeing with them. Now, I think the Creed was terrific. I don't know if it was really Oscar caliber or not. I haven't seen all of the movies that were nominated, so I can't say if any of them were better. Like, I, I still haven't seen The Revenant and whatnot, so I can't say if that was... I mean, Creed, I thought was terrific. I thought that, you know, I thought Michael B. Jordan did a, t- a terrific job of playing uh, Creed's kid, and uh, Stallone gave just an outstanding performance. It was a great movie across the board. I'm not, sh- I don't know, you know, if it was really Oscar caliber or not. I thought it was very, very good. I mean, I put it in my top ten of the year. But a lot of people were talking about uh, straight out of Compton uh, that, you know, how it really should have been nominated for more. And again, I haven't seen it, so I can't say. But there were uh, the other thing was and then you had uh, where a lot of this started from was Jada Pinkett Smith was pissed off over the fact that her husband didn't get nominated for um, that head head injury one, the head, the head injury one. And there were a lot of people that were like, well, there's a reason why wasn't that good of a movie. And you know, nobody saw it. It didn't make any money either. There, no. I, can't, I mean, hell, it's so forgettable. I literally cannot remember. Was it concussion? I think concussion. I think I think it was concussion. Uh, let's because it was a totally forgettable Will Smith movie. Will Smith has been in some outstanding movies where he's given terrific performances, but. Like, there were a lot of people that were just saying that this was a very forgettable, not that big of a movie. And it seemed odd that it's like, okay, this is what you're going to go to bat over, a movie that a lot of people didn't really care for and weren't really raving about his performance. Because there's been movies in the past that I've seen where the movie may or may not have been all that good, but someone in it gave an outstanding performance. And this just seemed like a very average movie that they were trying to make a bigger fuss over simply because you had Will Smith, you know, get over quote unquote overlooked for the, uh, for the Oscar. And uh, I, I just, I don't think so. Let's talk about sexism in Hollywood then female ghostbusters, or they're just calling it ghostbusters. It recently came out. YouTube did their tallies of the, the, the 100 videos with the, with the most thumbs down ghostbusters was almost in the top 10, the trailer for that. It's the only movie trailer that's ever been in the most voted down YouTube videos of all time. Even at the upfronts, when Sony presented the trailer, it was almost crickets. Sony is trying to claim that this is all sexism and people are just misogynists and whatnot. Other than the fact that I think a female Ghostbusters could work, not this one. It looks like it's just a really, really bad movie. Like me, Cecil, I'm not a, I'm not against a female team of Ghostbusters that could be really done well and smart. Paul Feig is not a really well-done and smart writer-director. And from the scripts that got leaked, it proves it here. He even outright said that this movie is there to destroy your nostalgia for the original because, quote, it needed to be destroyed. That tells me that this entire movie is a giant troll on the audience. The audience is somehow at fault for not liking it. Because obviously the movie's not out yet. We don't know. It could be a fantastic film. Those two trailers are god-awful. Take out the sexism and misogyny angle at all. You're an editor. I'm an editor. Those are just straight-up bad trailers. 
Oh, they're they're awful. Well, uh, when when they were talking about uh, doing a gender swapped Ghostbusters a while ago, they had a feeling that for some reason I was like, oh god, Feig is going to get this, and because he had uh, he had kind of become the de facto uh, director who directed women, and everything that I've seen this guy do, it hasn't just sucked, but it sucked horribly. Oh, he uh, is a he is a train wreck. He is, and have you seen some of the, the trailer and the leaked script seem to link up quite well. Spoiler alert, the finale of this Ghostbusters, which apparently Feig fought hard to get, is the main villain taking over the entire military and NYPD and making them dance to Thriller with a bunch of zombies. Who the f*** besides Feig thinks that is supposed to be funny? The, the thing that, that I don't like about Feig beyond that, as soon as, as soon as they announced he was officially directing, I'm like, Melissa McCarthy's in, and lo and behold, Melissa McCarthy was in, and she's f***ing terrible. Like, I, I, have yet to see, aside from Gilmore Girls, I have yet to see anything in her where she's tolerable. Or when, good God, Kristen Wiig, who is one of the worst modern actresses I have ever seen. Kristen Wiig I liked in Paul. I thought she was very funny in that. But uh, the majority of the stuff, uh, I haven't seen as much with her in it. And uh, and I really don't know. On Saturday know, Night Live, she's in, she was intolerable on Saturday Night Live. Intolerable. I, I really don't know the other two at all. Um, I did, I, the, the, um, the, the black lady, uh, I like the fact that she came out swinging on Twitter. I gave her major props for that where all these people but were. But she was uh, wrong because we're just judging by the trailer, but all of her scenes in the trailer are awful. Well, no, they were, they were, just, uh, whatever. I, I like the fact that she at least had the balls to stand up to people is my whole thing. But the thing was with, with Ghostbusters, and, and this was the thing with Feig. I was talking to somebody about this before. I was like, he is falling back on the sexism angle. It's like, if you come out and say that the movie looks like shit, well, you're a sexist. And it's like, no, the movie looks like shit. And it's like, well, the movie's so down. Like, there was somebody on my Twitter feed who had been ranting and raving all day because I guess today it came out that uh, it was the most down, you know, downvoted uh, movie trailer of all time. I was and and he was trying to say, you know, that it was some effort that it's like if you don't believe that uh, this movie was downvoted by a bunch of MRAs and all this and it was a conjoined effort to get this then you're nuts. And it's like, well, no, how about the fact that it looks completely terrible and there is a huge fan base of people that love Ghostbusters and they just thought it looked awful and it does look awful. It looks terrible. And it, it has this the the gender swapping thing has nothing to do with it. There have been plenty female fronted movies that have done really well. And the fact that they're taking this and gender swapping it and doing it as a gimmick. There is no other reason that they're doing this other than the fact that it is a gimmick. Like if it was a legitimate redoing of the series, if they were officially rebooting it. But it looks like they're taking a lot of the great scenes from the original, the library where the uh, the librarian throw you know uh, spits the the ectoplasm Somebody on him. Blows and- her nose and you want to keep it. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that, that whole thing, you know, but it's like in this, it's like, oh, it, it got everywhere. Uh, every single crack. Yeah, yeah, we get it. It wasn't really all that funny. And then, um, h- how many movies are going to continue to do the, ow, that's gonna leave a mark. That right there tells me that your movie is complete shit. If you're using the owl, it's that's going to leave a mark still, then your writing is officially in the toilet. I actually think there was a worse joke in that. 
I compel you out by the power of Patty. Well, it was yeah, the power. Yeah, they're doing the power of Patty compels you. Well, oh my it, God, that it, it, that that is some of the weakest writing I've seen in a long time. And again, they're they're trying to attract a new audience when the majority of the new audience they're not going to know what the what the Exorcist is. So that right there isn't going to make any sense to them. They're, oh, what? You know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that they're doing the, I mean, uh, <laughs> when I saw, um, Batman versus Superman in the theater, they ran the, the international Ghostbusters trailer because the U.S. version one was, was so bad. The blonde girl, I don't know what her name is, when she licked the proton pack, my wife goes, what the fuck? Because <laughs> it's supposed to be sexy, you know, Cecil. It's, it, it, well, it just, it came off like, just, like, I, pandering. I didn't like, pandering. Like, it, it's like, all right, well, you want, you want to make this movie where you have four strong, empowered women that are going to go and, and do the job that the men can't do. And you're going to, you're going to kind of throw this shit around. It just, it, it just looked bad. Like, I don't care. Like when, when they first announced the cast for Ghostbusters, I went on Twitter and I was like, look, how about you have like, some really good comedians in there. Like, uh, cause, like, a large part of why Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 worked was because the guys that were doing it were doing a lot of ad-libbing, there was a lot of improving, and there was a lot of shit that ended up being funnier than what they had written, so they went with that. And with this, it was like, well, why not have some more seasoned stand-up comedians? Like, I don't understand, like, I don't get Melissa McCarthy at all. She's not funny, and she, she just keeps popping up in movies where she's supposed to be funny. She's very popular with middle-class women because I think they, they see themselves in her and she's very popular with that. But you got to remember, now this is a conspiracy theory, okay? But it looks like Sony already knows they have such a bomb on their hands. Go to look at either of those two trailers on YouTube. They delete all negative comments except sexist and misogynist ones. Oh, yeah. They're leaving oh. those up so then... When the movie inevitably bombs, they can go, it was just a misogynistic conspiracy against this movie. They're already preparing for how bad this movie's gonna do. Oh, I had said, um, uh, if probably maybe a week or two weeks before the movie comes out, there's gonna be a pristine, beautiful copy that leaks onto the internet, and then leaks all the- in quotes. Yeah, quote unquote leaks, and then the movie bombs, and then they can be like, oh, well, that's because it leaked onto the internet to, you know, kind of like what happened with The Expendables 3. That that's what's going to happen with this. It's going to leak. It's it's kind of a combination of things. It's going to leak, and they're going to blame it on the leak, and then uh, it's going to bomb, and then they're going to blame it on misogyny because that's the hot button ticket right now. If something is bad and it has to do with women and people don't like it, well, it's obviously because everyone is misogynistic, except for the fact that there's a whole bunch of women. That think the movie looks terrible too. Uh, excuse me, self-loathers. They have, uh, internalized misogyny. That's the new thing. <laughs> they, have, they, they are so angry, you know, or, uh, there's something I see a lot that really cracks me up. There is apparently, they'll, they'll be like, well, there's men that hate women, and then there are the women who agree with them, so it's women that are hating other women to look better for men who hate women. That doesn't make it... Do, you, do these people not realize that doesn't make any sense? So I think that it looks like shit. And I I am going to... Uh, I am not... 
if I can see it opening weekend and not pay for it, like if I can, uh, if I can get a press screening uh, or something, if I can get a press screening or if I can get, uh, like a free pass ticket or something, cause I don't want to support it, but I would like to review it and I am willing to go in if, if the move, like there have been movies before where I'm like, this looks like complete shit. And I went in and I was very surprised that it was good, but I am willing to go in open-minded. I think that the trailer looks terrible, but there's been a lot of movies that have bad trailers. And I don't like Feig, so that's going to kind of be rough. But if it if if I go in and I genuinely enjoy it, I will, you know, bite my tongue and be like, "You know what? I was wrong. It was actually a really good movie and it was funny and it worked." But uh I have a feeling that it's, you know, after seeing Bridesmaids and The Heat and Spy and Tammy, and I know Feig didn't do Tammy, but uh, McCartney was in that, like, or McCarthy or whatever. I just have a bit feeling that it's going to be awful. Not just that, but the other big controversy that's going on right now, not so much a controversy. Now, Fred Fritz and I are going to do a full episode on this down the line, so I just want to touch on this briefly, is Suicide Squad, where it turned out that Jared Leto, to quote, get into the mindset of the Joker, was sending his was sending his co-stars used condoms, butt plugs, dead animals and things, things he thought the Joker would do to the to these other characters. The other actors asked him to stop and he wouldn't do it because he was quote method acting and even on the set he refused to answer to anyone who ref- who wouldn't call him the Joker. The kind of the the thing kind of going around now is in any other workplace, that's sexual assault and sexual harassment. Why is it okay for Jared Leto to do that, you know, in character? But if you were in an office setting or in a customer service industry and you did that, you would be charged with sexual assault. Why is it okay for Jared Leto to get away with this? I don't know. That's a tough one because Hollywood, they do uh, – there there are a lot On of – On paper, those. Cecil, that is sexual harassment, isn't it? Oh, I am not – I am not saying that what he did was right. I'm Like what he did is extremely creepy and very weird. And I think that he probably – should have gotten some sort of talking to over it, aside from just, ah, uh, you know, he's, he's method acting. And I mean, the fact that that got out at all, uh, there's been a lot of very weird things that have happened. There's actors that are very bizarre that, uh, but I mean, it, it, it's never quite been, or at least it's never gotten out that, that, that it's that bad. I mean, there's things like when certain characters in character, they will only talk, talk in certain characters. Christopher Walken, doesn't take a bath so he always smells like stuff like that but there's never been something like sending used condoms and butt plugs and that is just very weird i like i think that he's a great actor and i like uh 30 seconds to mars i think that they're a cool band but i think that that's going like way over the line and yeah if that was any other uh if you were in an office job and you started mailing your coworkers butt plugs potentially used butt plugs that would be grounds for firing lawsuits and possibly criminal charges and possible criminal charges so i think that um that is a big no-no. Uh, I think that that I think that that's somebody who is really going uh, incredibly overboard on the whole method acting thing. There's a difference between staying in character and staying in character to the degree of where you do that kind of shit. And the other thing too is it makes me question if he even understands the character. I don't remember the Joker sending used condoms to people or like the Joker. The Joker's done a lot of really crazy things over the years. I don't know if he's ever, like, sent 
Harley Quinn a butt plug, you know? I I might be wrong. I haven't read every single Batman comic, but it seems to me that that's kind of like a very weird overcompensation for something. Yes, the Joker is a complete psychotic murdering killer who's crazy. I think that uh in the realm of things, that just seems bizarrely out of character. Well, let's stick with the Joker then. Just the week we're recording this, they finally released the trailer for the animated Batman the Killing Joke movie. Now, for those that don't know, Batman the Killing Joke was amazing Alan Moore, I think 1986 or 87, one-shot comic, was all about, I guess, quote, the Joker's origin. One of the things that it did in it, because, you know, Alan Moore was all about deconstructing superheroes, Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl, gets shot in the spine, and... It's implied she's sexually molested by the Joker, and photographs are taken of her in this position to drive her father insane. The movie is the first R-rated DC Comics animated film. And the question that's coming up is, why? There was nothing in the comic that should be R-rated, so unless they embellished a lot and added more graphicness that was not in an already pretty graphic comic, people are going, why is this rated R? Did you guys really play up the implied sexual molestation? And so there's a kind of controversy of an R-rated Batman movie is now coming out, even if it's animated. It's it That is actually a very, very, very easy answer. The simple thing is because of the content, they could do it straight up exactly the way that they portrayed it in the comic book where uh the joker's taking pictures of her and uh you know to to uh, really drive drive her father over the edge but the thing is because of the way that things are portrayed now as the way that uh, as opposed to how things were perceived back then simply because this is a very it's pushing the envelope that automatically from the MPAA is going to get an R. Like, here's a perfect example. Not that long ago, uh, like a week ago, Kevin Smith had sent yoga hosers in to get his rating, and it came back with an R. And when he fig- when he was trying to figure out why the movie was getting an R instead of a PG-13, it was simply because there was one scene where a character's holding up a book and somebody had drawn uh, testicles on his chin. So somebody drew balls on this on somebody's chin and that was enough to get the movie an r rating and he had to fight it and eventually because the story blew up they retracted it and they were you know they gave him the pg-13 but the thing with um with with this is that because of the content because it's an animated feature and they want to keep it out of young people's hands because we have to protect the children is why they're going to give it an r instead of a pg-13 so i don't think that it's going to be that much more graphic i don't think that they're going to push anything further than they did in the comic book. But I simply think that because of the world that we currently live in, is that it's just, it's going to get an R. And if they were going to dial things back to try to get it a PG-13, then it would harm the original intention of how it was made in the book. I just think it's kind of weird that the comic would not be an R-rated comic, but the movie is. That That's just bizarre. When... A lot of things have changed. Um, a good point, when uh, movies that were released that were originally given a PG that had to go back in and get re-rated for their, uh, for their DVD release and whatnot, they re-rated them and they re-rated them to R. Uh, there was the, the movie The Giver was originally a PG-13 movie when it was on VHS, got re-rated to R for DVD 
and they weren't allowed to release it as R, so they had to go back in and edit a movie that already got a PG-13 and got it back down to, to its original rating. So the world that we live in, if they were to take that comic and try to re-rate it or whatever for whatever reason, I bet you that it would not get approved. I bet you that it would get whatever this, you know, whatever the version of R is for comics. Now, you and I are not going to argue about Batman versus Superman on its merits, okay? For for this argument, we just have to accept that critically, it was a complete bomb. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Um, you you I and I, because well, because what you and I thought about it has no bearing on what we're going to talk about here. Okay. Just critics hated it, and so did audiences. DC apparently has started to panic now. Warner Brothers specifically. Apparently, they are butting heads with Zack Snyder to try and get him to make Justice League not like. He did Batman versus Superman, and he is yelling at them. Remember, between those two movies, they've given him over a billion dollars between Justice League Part 1 and Part 2, and he's saying that they're compromising his vision. It's like, no, asshole, it's their money. You will make their movie. There is rumors that they're actually close to firing him, and James Wan has even said now his his Aquaman movie is in danger because Zack Snyder will not change the Justice League movie to not be like Batman versus Superman. So I guess the question comes down to, do you let Zack Snyder, keep in mind, this guy, the critics, destroyed his movie. Again, whether you and I liked it or not, not material here. Warner Brothers is saying, you cannot make Justice League the same way. And he's going, fuck you, my movie. And they're going, fuck you, our money. Should Warner Brothers just back the fuck off and let him make Justice League into another potential half-billion-dollar disaster? Or since it is their money and their characters, do they have the right to tell him, no, lighten the fuck up? Okay, uh, here's the thing. If you if you look at Batman versus Superman, of course the critics in general badmouthed it, and uh, they didn't. They uh, sometimes I feel like they audiences didn't even, were less favorable too. Audiences are split down the middle. There are people who love it, and there are people who hate it. But I have a feeling that a lot of the people that hated it went in wanting to hate it. And uh, I realize that yes, there are a lot of people that just flat out didn't like it. Fine. But I'm seems... one of them. But, but Cecil, I went in wanting to like this. I said, you know what? There are some good ideas here. Let's try and like this. And the right. and the critic but in I mean, me just was like, my God, this is so bad. I, but I mean, I'm not talking about you. I'm ta- I realized you went in open-minded as as open-minded as you could be, being you. And thank you for that backhanded <laughs> compliment. <laughs> Being open, okay, being open-minded and you didn't like it, that's fine. But there were a lot of people who went in and they came out and a lot of their complaints were, like, I, I admitted when I did my review on it, I enjoyed it. But I, but there were problems. And there were problems that I think that could be addressed with the longer cut. Hey, Batman had a gun. Yeah, Batman had a gun that didn't shoot bullets. You know, it was like, stop stop trying to make things an issue when there is no issue. Stop trying to piss and moan about something when it makes me think that you actually didn't see the movie. You watched the trailer and based your idea, you know, based your concept of the movie on that. And, and see, now, I, I looked at the movie. When I watched it, I looked at it at how incompetently made as a filmmaker or as a filmmaking it was. The editing was terrible. The, the timeline was very unclear. It was very shoddily made, the camera angles. I'm looking at it on a filmmaking perspective and going, this is a really poorly made movie. 
You know, I mean, yes, I just, there are tons of script problems and all that, but it's like, this is a really poor, but I've had that problem with almost every Zack Snyder movie. Sucker Punch, same thing. 300, same thing. All he cares about is whether it looks good, not whether it flows good or makes any damn sense. The thing with Batman uh, versus Superman, as far, or as far as him going into the Justice League, they hired him to do a job, and I actually give him a lot of credit for having the balls to stand up to the studio and be like, no, this is the movie that I'm going to make. And I understand that... It's their with... characters and their money, though. But how many directors have backed down, and then the movie that came out was shit? So but the thing is... Th- that That's what... Batman versus Superman kind of was the critics and the massive drop off that it had that it turns out that DC Warner Brothers is not going to make back their budget on it you know after all the above the line nonsense is in until maybe home video so don't they have some basis for going dude you don't know what you're doing we fucked up in giving you freedom you have to listen to us it's our money and it's our property. I mean, to a degree, he is hired to do a job. Yes, they gave him a certain amount of autonomy. He was hired to do a job, and he failed at the first job. So I can see why they're going to want to micromanage the next couple. He is also potentially screwing up the next people's films in this you know, franchise, the Justice League franchise, if you will. James Wan was very open about how scared he is that Aquaman might not happen now because of Zack Snyder. You Zack know what? Snyder might be killing the whole franchise by going, no, my vision. But the thing is, still, it is his vision, and it's like if they if they want to if they want to remove him from it, all right, that's their prerogative. But he is standing up to the studio and being like, this is the vision that I had, this is the movie that I want to make, and I think that he's he's done a lot of uh, world building, he's done a lot of stuff to kind of pull this together. I really think that when the full cut of Batman versus Superman comes out, it's going to shed a lot of light on things, it's going to change a lot of people's minds, and uh, I think that it was it was good. I think that I, I, uh, see, I'm not, people, I'm not people so are... Sure, because I think... Because yeah. even the editor came out and said that when when they had to cut the movie down, the original cut was over four and a half hours long. Of course, Warner Brothers made him cut it down, but they said every time they cut stuff out, the movie made less and less sense. If you need, I'm just rounding here, five hours to tell this story, you have not told it well. Paraphrasing here, I don't remember the, lo- the, the quote, but a good movie is never too long and a bad movie is never short enough. Uh, it was Ebert. And it's the truth. It's like, look, you know what? When you've got a movie that is of this epic of a scale, maybe it needs to be longer. And, okay, uh, we're, we're, there have been a lot of movies that have come out where uh, the first cut is just ridiculously long. I mean, the first, um, the the Crow, uh, City of Angels, the original cut was, uh, I think, two and a half hours. And, uh, well, actually, no, I'm sorry, it was two hours and 40 minutes. And uh, that got just butchered to hell but that that's not a ridiculous nearly five hours the bigger crime in batman versus superman when it comes to the editing of the length is what was still there that fight with doomsday just goes on and on oh you're nuts no it did not and it's like oh my god end already Oh, shut so you up. could have cut that down by maybe a third and put in some more scenes that made the movie make fucking sense. The the Doomsday fight was uh was maybe 10 15 minutes of the film. And it didn't need to be. It shouldn't have been more than 5. 
Even no, Batman I mean, taking but, out the even Batman taking but I'm out saying, the terrorist but there was, well, guys just kept going. There was a lot of things that happened during that. I'm not saying it wasn't specifically just them fighting. It was like it was them, it was fighting, and then they went and they got the kryptonite and they were doing all that. And there was I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was going on. I mean, if you were to time the the doomsday fight out, it probably it wouldn't accumulate 15 minutes. But the thing was, the, it, like the doomsday fight uh, in the one of the reasons also why it was longer was simply because if you went into the death of Superman story arc, how many issues was it? That it was the Doomsday fight. Was it fucking twelve thirty issues or whatever? Five. Where it was like, five, no, it was bullshit. It, it was, it was five. That. It was five. And and in, and in fact, Doomsday didn't even fight Superman until the third one. He was fighting the Justice League for the first two. And this, they wanted to kind of incorporate a lot in that, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was cool. I would have liked to have seen uh, Doomsday a little bit more spiky, but whatever. You know, okay. I, I thought the movie was a giant steaming piece of crap and one of the most. And we're, poor, and, and, and even though the, we said we weren't going to get into it, we're getting and, and into one it. of the most poorly made films I've seen in well over a decade. But let's move on to something else then. Let's just talk about bad ideas. Like right now, sometimes we'll hear a movie announced and everyone just groans and goes, "Oh my God, who thought this was a good idea?" Right now, Tom Rothman at the upfronts for Sony, he says their next big hit will be 21 Jump Street 3 Men in Black 4 crossover, where the 21 Jump Street characters join the Men in Black. Nobody but Rothman thinks this is a good idea. He even admitted his underlings keep telling him it's a bad idea, and he cannot tell them how wrong they are. This is a bad fucking idea, isn't it, Cecil? This is a really stupid idea, isn't it? I think that I've actually, um, I liked Men in Black I love Men in Black 1. thought that 2 was not really as good. 2, I felt, all was just... Train wreck. It had moments, but I think it was a contractual sequel. It was like the first one made so much money, we have to make a sequel. And the third one, even though there were... Holy crap, were they making it up as they went along? It's uh, one of those notorious... They had a great beginning and a great end, and then uh, they just kind of wrote the shit in the middle while it was going on. Uh, I think that 3 actually turned out to be really entertaining. Not as good as 1, but way better than I expected and i hated both of the uh 21 jump street movies and the fact that they're merging these two i think is a horrendous idea if it's good i want it to succeed but if it's bad i hope it bombs horribly i think it's i personally think it's a stupid idea and there are a lot of other properties that could mix so much better why would you take 21 like like there are certain things that just 21 jump street was a surprise hit i despised the movie and the fact that it's official canon with the tv series that i loved as a kid pisses me off but it was a hit so i can see why tom rothman wants to wants to keep moving it but then tom rothman is also but make a sequel not not yeah but make make 21 jump street 3 or whatever don't make men in black 23 ugh but, but see, here's the thing with someone like Tom Rothman. All of his underlings are telling him what a bad idea this is. The internet is telling him what a bad idea this is. This is also the same Tom Rothman who, when he was at 20th Century Fox, personally stalled the Daredevil movie for six years. Why? Daredevil's a stupid character. This is the same man who said Brett Ratner is the future of the X-Men franchise. <laughs> this is the man who canceled Firefly. This is the man who said Alien vs. Predator, the original movie, was the best script he's ever greenlit. This is the man who completely handheld Josh Trank's fan four stick all the way until the disaster that it was. This is the man who, who thought Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes was 
quote, one of the best remakes of all time. This is a man who's outright said, keep in mind, 20th Century Fox is one of the studios that is one of the largest science fiction movie providers out there. He thinks science fiction movies are dumb and made for dumb people. Why should we have any trust in Tom Rothman that he's not being an idiot? His track record says, you're an idiot. He's done a lot of stupid things. And uh, I, I think that uh, this is another case of uh, somebody in Hollywood who's just uh, – he's too big to fail. He keeps uh, failing upwards, and uh, there are a lot of people like that. It's actually really depressing when you think about how many directors that are really good that come along and uh, they'll do a movie. And the movie is really good, but for whatever reason, it bombs. And then a director is not directing movies for years. And then you have somebody who is an executive who makes bad decision after bad decision that costs the company just tons of money. And they end up keeping their job and probably getting, like, raises in the meantime. Well, see, see, okay, even with all the negative things I said about Tom Rothman, he's also the man that brought 20th Century Fox Titanic and Avatar and things like that. So he's made them tons of money. He, but this is a guy who is known for his bad ideas. You know, I mean, like, literally, he was the man who kept saying Deadpool will not work because Deadpool's a stupid character. I think... The box office proved that wrong. Yeah. Uh, I guess you have to outweigh the things. Like, no, nobody who's in charge of a studio is ever going to have just a, a golden time. There, you know, there, there's always going to be movies that for one reason or another, they fail. And, uh, there's always going to be movies that for whatever reason or another, they succeed. I mean, there's going to be successful shit and there's going to be, you know, failure, uh, you know, movies that should have been hits that end up being failures. So it all boils down to, uh, do his successes outweigh his failures? And, uh, his decisions aren't good. Like, but the thing is, the, one of the biggest problems with Hollywood that we have right now is we, and it's the same problem that we have with the music industry, is the people in charge don't like what they're selling. They don't understand it and they only look at what is successful. So, well, this was successful, so let's make more of this. Uh, this is what people want, so we're gonna make more of this. What's this new thing? I don't understand it. It sucks. And I'm, I'm gonna, you know, stand in way, I'm standing in the way of it being made just because I think that it's bad and it won't make any money. Or if they do, uh, green light it, they'll just make them, you know, make it miserable so that it fails miserably and they can prove that they're right. I don't understand that. That really kills me when you have an executive or a producer who doesn't understand the product that they put their money behind and they want it to fail just to prove that it was a bad idea. It's like, well, wouldn't you rather you know, go on the intuition of the person who's working on it and be like, hey, we really believe in this and be like, you know what? I don't get this, but I believe in you, so I'm going to back you and then let the product, you know, succeed or fail on its well, own it even rather comes, than it, sabotaging it, even, it. This goes back to the 70s. Look at when Harlan Ellison and Gene Roddenberry were trying to make Star Trek the motion picture. They kept going to the executives of Paramount and every time they'd have an, they'd tell them an idea, they go, make it bigger. It's got to be bigger. Got to be bigger. Got to be bigger. In one of them, they literally blew up the entire universe, and he goes, can you make it bigger? And they're like, what? And then at one point, the executive said, he, he said, I've been reading a lot about the Mayans lately. Can you put Mayans in this movie? Ellison said he and Rodmer just kind of looked at each other like, he's serious. You have to wonder how these people are executives when they're this stupid. One of my problems with, the, with executives in Hollywood is 
if something works, even if they were opposed to it, they get all the credit. If something fails, even if they were behind it, it was somebody else's fault. That's the problem in Hollywood. There's no accountability for the people at the top. They'll sabotage a movie, and then it'll bomb, and then they'll blame the director, even though it's not the director's fault. Or uh, there was, uh, of course... I'm not, uh, I can't think of what it was off the top of my head. I know there was a movie where, uh, the director was, the director finished the movie and he had his edit. They took it away from him, edited, edited the hell out of the movie. The movie bombed and then they still blame the director. It's not, it's not even much better in television. I was, I was watching an old, uh, uh, an old documentary called, called, uh, Pitch Perfect about pitching, you know, pilot ideas and whatnot to television executives. There was one executive at Fox, the guy you had to go through. You could not go get your project greenlit unless you went through this guy. He would lie on a couch and take a nap while you pitched, and he would just kind of you keep going. I'm listening, I'm listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm listening, I'm listening. And this is the guy who was responsible for greenlighting some of their biggest series and some of their biggest bombs. But he was more concerned that he needed a mid-afternoon nap. How do you feel as a as a producer going, I'm pitching it to a guy who's literally half asleep? It's it's really frustrating. And that's one of the reasons that kind of nonsense is what drove the independent industry in the 90s. You had a lot of very creative, talented people that were tired of dealing with this kind of nonsense where it's like, hey, I've got this really unique original idea and it's awesome and people are going to be excited. Uh, I don't want it. It's too weird. So they started forming independent studios and started making these really awesome, independent, original, unique movies that ended up being some of the most rewarded, uh, you know, as far as Oscars and whatnot, uh, and financially as well, because they didn't have the glut of industry nonsense behind it. Well, you know, uh, in order to sell this movie, we have to have such and such an actor, and they are getting $20 million, so that automatically raises the price right up there. Uh, so you just have a lot of that nonsense going on. And I think that we are, we need a return to that. We need a lot of independent, uh, cinema that comes out. We have, um, some smaller films that are being made independently, stuff like The Witch that's coming out that's getting a lot of attention, that's blowing away a lot of the mainstream studio stuff. I'm sure if that would have been picked up by a, a major studio, they would have forced in a lot of, uh, jump scares and nonsense and made it you know, terrible as opposed to uh, the amazing movie that it was. It, 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 they would have made it, they would have given it a Blumhouse ending. Blah! <laughs> yeah, they would have added in a, a nice bagul. They would have pissed off everybody. Well, but I mean, when you're talking about that, look at, go back to the 70s and 80s. I mean, obviously Corman predates this, but Roger Corman and Charles Band, their names were on a lot of these films. And you know what? They were there on the set. They were te- They were giving the director pointers. When you saw Charles Band or Roger Corman's name on a movie in the 70s and 80s, they were actually there. Not like when you see the Weinstein's names on a movie from Miramax and then later Dimension. Like, listen to the commentary for for Hardware or Dust Devil. They're listed as executive producers, and one of the Weinsteins is even listed as a co-writer. And Richard Stanley's like, he didn't write a single word of this, and they never saw a frame of the film until it was done. How the f*** are they executive producers? Yeah, the Weinsteins are some of the worst uh, as far as that's concerned. There was uh, a movie that they had bought the rights to, uh, Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer, they bought the rights to the American distribution, and they basically took it. It was, uh, I think it was a little over two hours, like two hours and five minutes long or whatever. And Harvey Weinstein didn't even watch the movie at all and just went, cut 20 minutes out of it. And, and the director was like, no, 
they're like, there's, there isn't 20 minutes that can be cut out of this. Cause that's Harvey Weinstein's big thing is, you know, you have to cut 20 minutes out of every movie. He said no. And he's like, okay, if you cut 20 minutes out of this movie, it'll open in 1500 theaters. If you don't, it'll open in five. And the director was like, F you. And they really, and they shot themselves in the foot. Instead of giving this movie a wide release, he wanted to be a dick and he wanted to be a, a spoiled child. So he opened it in like five theaters and then it went to home video. And what happened? It was called one of the best movies of the year. It got all kinds of praise. Uh, I, I think it's pretty highly ranked on the IMDb and it's a really goddamn good movie. And he wanted it butchered simply because it was too long and he never even bothered to watch the film i can understand there are certain movies where you watch it and you're like yeah you know what it's good but it could could go with another edit maybe trim you know 10 minutes out of it or something or whatever but to not even watch the film and just right off the cuff say that 20 minutes need to be removed that's ridiculous well you know i agree with you sometimes like i love the first pirates of the caribbean when that came out cecil but it's about a half hour too long. It really does start to drag at parts. You easily could have cut a half hour out of the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and it really wouldn't have affected the quality, and it would have been so much more well-paced. It's too self-indulgent. There are scenes the that don't need to be there. Pirates Pirates 1, I think, yeah, Pirates 1 could have gone through another edit. Pirates 2, whoa, did that. Pirates of the Caribbean 2... They could have probably cut about 45 minutes out of that movie. Hey, you think the first one was overindulgent? The second one, uh, you could have played a drinking game with how many times they said Captain Jack Sparrow. It was ludicrous. And I loved the first movie. But the second one was so bad, it made me never want to watch the third or fourth. Since we kind of did this impromptu, what, you know, some of the Hollywood controversies and whatnot, is there anything you want to say to Hollywood right now? Like, knock off the stupid, or what the hell are you thinking? Bagool! On that note, where can we find Cecil T? You can find me at escapistmagazine.com as well as goodbadflicks.com, and I am goodbadflicks on Twitter, and if you look up Good Bad Flicks on Facebook. You should be able to find me, but it's it's like Good Bad Flicks three eight nine five like eighty gajillion numbers because Facebook is retarded. But uh, yes, you can find me on there as well. You can find me at twelve oh one beyond dot com. You can contact this show at twelve oh one beyond at gmail dot com. Guys, keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. <laughs>
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.